Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views. That's right, I'm delivering on this one. Uh, I also I skipped back in July that, yeah, just at the time was not really feeling up to it. I'll eventually get to that one. At some point, maybe I'll do it as a bonus episode for next year when I cover the pay-per-view that I already have in mind for that month. Next year, so... Yeah, but yes, classic wrestling pay-per-views for the month of October, and this one I am covering perhaps most infamous WCW pay-per-view in the company's history for quite a few reasons, and that is Halloween Havoc 1998. This is a pay-per-view that I've never seen before. I've only heard stories from other people who have experienced it and, and from documentaries of people who were involved with the show itself. So yeah, I had quite a bar set for me going into watching this one for the first time earlier this evening. And um, and I rec I'm recording this Saturday evening, October the 24th. This is going up October the 25th, which is exactly 22 years since the original broadcasting of this pay-per-view. And before I get into what the went down on the pay-per-view itself, I want to preface it by saying I actually had a Pretty good time watching this pay-per-view, you know, all things considered. Uh, you know, the reputation that this particular pay-per-view has, you know, I did not expect much from it. But I was pleasantly surprised to, to see that I enjoyed it very much for the most part. But yeah, with that said, let's get right to it. And I have five pages of notes on my little notepad right here. So they're not completely detailed, but I'll... You know, throwing my little two cents in here and there for whatever notes that I don't have regarding some of the matches. But yes, we opened the pay per view with in a performance from the Nitro Girls, uh, which, you know, cool. I was a fan of the Nitro Girls during that era and just, you know, didn't really see why they needed them for this pay per view. But I guess because it was in Las Vegas, they figured, you know, Las Vegas, you know, showgirls and all that stuff. So, yeah. And then after the opening performance from the Nitro Girls, we had Mean Gene Okerlund interviewing Rick Steiner to talk about his match that he would be having against his brother Scott later in the pay-per-view. But then Buff Bagwell arrived to show his support for Rick and to offer uh, to be in his corner for the match that he's going to have with Scott. Because uh, up until this point, at least in Storyland, he, Buff Bagwell had been part of the NWO Scott Steiner joined the NWO, and on the Nitro before this, he had seemingly dropped being part of the NWO to in favor of you know helping out Rick, and then uh, Rick he was hesitant, but he eventually accepted the offer, and then we finally get to our opening matchup, which was Raven versus Chris Jericho for the WCW World Television Championship. And what the first thing that I noticed right away is for their entrances, they came out, um, their music was dubbed with their WWE entrance music, which was kind of funny, but at the same time, and I, watching it actually kind of worked watching this on the broadcast because, you know, if most people that you remember the WCW theme songs were basically like generic instrumental versions of actual songs, like with Ravens. Uh, was a generic instrumental version of um, Come As You Are by Nirvana, and Jericho's was a version of Even Flow by Pearl Jam. <laughs> no, but they were overdubbed with their WWE th theme songs, and it actually worked. It, it, it didn't feel too out of place you know, watching it. Um, 
But then, you know, before the match, Raven, he cut a little promo talking about not wanting to be there for this match because the match was uh, a, a, a supposed last-minute addition. Plus, he had been on a bit of a losing streak around that time. Um, so then he just decided to just up and leave uh, the match. He didn't want to be part of it at all. And then Jericho cut a little promo himself where he was belittling Raven, essentially, you know, with sarcastic, with sar- fa- false and sarcastic praise, talking about the great leader of the flock and all this other stuff, and you know, just basically baited him into coming back into the ring, and they got the match going, and it was a very evenly matched fight. I I really enjoyed it from start to finish. Honestly, I mean, it had great action, it had great drama, you know, great storytelling. You know, like I I always talk about great storytelling in wrestling matches because you know, if there's no story. I have no reason to care about the match itself, you know? Uh, you know, with certain matches, at least. You know, like... I mean, just check out my previous wrestling podcast that I've, that I've done on here. You guys, you'll, you guys should know already. You know, I mean, if you're if you're watching this, it's because you've, you've already, you're already a subscriber. And you're already a follower of my content. You already know what I'm, what, what I'm all about. So, yeah. And, I mean, not really too many spots in the match that I can really you know, that really stood out to me when I mean, there was one pretty cool spot where they had the, the steel steps on the outside where, um, Raven did like the, like a front suplex to Jericho on top of the steps and then, uh, launched him to the steps on the other side of the ring. Um, which, you know, it looked like it hurt cause the steel steps that WCW had, it wasn't like WWE where they had the two, like the bottom steps and then the top steps and you can take them apart. It was one solid piece of steel, for the steps so like one jump it was all it wasn't you know break it, they didn't break apart like wwe steps do you know it was one giant hunk of hunk of steel for for the steps so it hurt i'm sure um but you know like i said it was good fast-paced action very evenly matched from both uh, i mean it, it was a very good match which is to be expected from you know these two men jericho and raven Legends of this industry, Jericho, you know, in fact, celebrating 30 years as a professional wrestler this, earlier this month. Um, and the match eventually, you know, with a minor distraction from Chris Canyon, uh, allowed Jericho to score the victory with the Lion Tamer and and Raven tapping out within seconds of the fold being applied and Jericho retaining the WCW World Television title. And you know, it was cool getting to see the the old school lion tamer, and and also I and I noticed on the kick pads that Jericho had that uh, it said role model on them, which is just you know because of, of Bailey's you know character being being the role model since she turned heel a year ago. It's just kind of funny. And then next we uh, had a promo with Eric Bischoff and Hollywood Hogan, where Hogan was bragging about beating the shit out of his own nephew, Horace Hogan, on the previous week's episode of Nitro, and then saying that he was going to do the same thing to the Warrior later in the in the pay-per-view for their big match that they'd been hyping up for the entire time. And, yeah, and I remember during that time period where they were really hyping up that match, like it was going to be the biggest grudge match in the history of pro wrestling. Yeah, but you know, at the time, that's what WCW did. They always overhyped everything, as it was going to be the greatest of the greatest of all time kind of thing for literally everything. You know, 
you know, the greatest, the greatest m- moment in the history of our, our great sport. And it was one of the tired sayings that they always love to use. But anyways, uh, the next match that we had was a uh, Ming, AKA Haku versus wrath, AKA Adam bomb, AKA Brian Clark. And this one was a pretty good match. I mean, nothing too spectacular, nothing that really stood out, at least not to me, you know, with, you know, wrath eventually coming out victorious, you know, it's, not really a you know spectacular match, but I mean, if you like just good, hard hitting you know kind of action, this is a good match for you. Uh, but then after this, we had Disco Inferno versus Juventud Guerrera, with the winner fighting Billy Kidman for the cruiserweight title later in the pay per view. And I mean, it was your fairly standard cruiserweight match, you know, that WCW had, you know, which not a, not really a complaint of mine. I mean, because WCW's cruiserweight division was the highlight of WCW, basically. Yeah, the NWO was getting the ratings, but in terms of the matches themselves, the Cruiserweight division was where it was at. So, I remember even Jericho said it on his uh, WWE documentary that they released on Blu-ray, DVD and Blu-ray back in 2010, where he said, you know, that the main event scene for between WWF and WCW at the time, WWF was winning that, but the undercard of WCW was where it was at. So, you know, I mean, and yeah, it didn't have as many high spots as you, you usually would be for a WCW Cruiserweight match. But, again, not really complaining because it was a very good match. You know, it was, you know, again, good storytelling throughout. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. I mean, I, I'm, I, was, I was always a fan of both guys. Yes, I was a fan of Disco Inferno, as cheesy as that gimmick was. It worked. He made it work. I loved it. My brothers and I loved it. And whenever he would come out doing his entrance with the disco fever theme song and doing the, you know, the Saturday night fever dance, you know, for the entrance all throughout, we would get into it. You know, it was, it was fun. And, and plus he, he, he had, he had the, per, the, the right personality to pull off such a character. Um, but eventually disco, he did win earning his shot against Billy Kidman to come later in this pay-per-view. And he won it with a with a spike. I think they called it a spike power driver, but it just looked like a regular looked like a regular power driver, but it, it looked pretty damn good. It looked it, it was a, a very solid power driver. And then we had more Nitro Girl dancing after this match. And then came out Scott Steiner to cut a Scott Steiner promo, which wrestling fans love a good Scott Steiner promo. And he was just talking trash about his brother Rick. And Buff Bagwell, calling Buff Bagwell a mama's boy and a bunch of other stuff, I think. And then basically said, you know, let's make it interesting and make it a tag team match uh, where there would be Scott teaming with The Giant, a.k.a. The Big Show, against his brother Rick and Buff Bagwell. And that they would even put the WCW tag team titles on the line. And then J.J. Dillon came out and added the stipulation that if Scott and The Giant lose... Then Scott will have to fight Rick for about for, for a fifteen minute time limit immediately after this match, and Scott accepted because you know with the backing of the NWO he thought he was untouchable. So then next up we had Fit Finley versus Alex Wright, and fans chanted "boring" for this match, which I mean it was it was the height of the Attitude Era, you know, straight up wrestling matches were not really the thing at the time. You know, but, you know, I mean, I thought it was a very good wrestling match. I really did. And my only complaint is that I wish it was a, would have been a few minutes longer. I think it was just a little, little more than five minutes. I could be wrong. I mean, that's how it felt, at least to me. But it was a good, solid 
wrestling match. And Alex Wright won that one as well. Um, I know it's already how many matches? And this and the thing is, this was only the first hour of the pay per view. So let me see how many matches we had for the first hour. One, two, three, four, um, and five. Five matches for the first hour of the pay per view. When the fifth match was Lodi versus Saturn, former members of the Ravens' flock. And, and this one was a pretty entertaining match. It was a short match, but it was pretty entertaining, honestly. I mean, Saturn, he was a badass, of course. He always was a badass in the ring. One of the best. You know, it's sad to see how his health has been on the decline in recent years. And I hope he's getting the help that he needs. And he's doing much better. I know he's not even watching this. He's not listening to this podcast. Because you know he 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 he, he could he could he could care less couldn't care less about a guy like me so, but I hope he is doing well and yeah he was a badass throughout this match and Lodi it was pretty funny because he was he was the sign guy for the flock you know like they had sign guy Dudley and with the Dudley boys back in w, in the ECW days and he was the sign guy for the Ravens flock so yeah he was too concerned with his signs. And because like, you know, they're like the ring person that they would, you know, the, they would always have come out to like take their like the ring jackets and stuff and bring it to the back. They were grabbing his signs and then he ducked out of the ring so he can retrieve his signs. And that was just, I don't know, I, I, I got a kick out of that. Uh, and of course, Saturn won the match because, you know, Saturn. Yeah, but again, I enjoyed the match. It was it was fun. As, as Bruce Pritchard would say, this is the ha ha match of the show. And then even more Nitro Girls dancing, which, I mean, it's nice to see them dancing, but, again, I saw no point in, in it being on this pay-per-view. But after this, we had Disco Inferno versus Billy Kidman for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And I have to say, this is just my opinion, at least, and I'm going to you know, try to watch more of these WCW shows and see if my opinion changes on this, but I honestly believe that this match was the best performance I have ever seen from Disco Inferno. I truly believe that. Anyone that's you know been a big follower of WCW as much as I have, or more than I was, um, let me know of a better performance that he had because this one, I, I really love this match. It was, this is probably my second favorite match of the entire pay per view. Honestly, if I'm being honest, um, like it was a very good match, good action, very well paced, told a very good story. Um, and honestly, like the way the match was built up and the way they were building it up from start to finish, it, it felt like it could have gone either way. It could have been either man could have won and I would have been satisfied. And especially if I was watching it live at that time, like if I actually, if I had watched the pay-per-view live as it was happening, I probably would have been fine with either one of them winning. Cause again, I was a fan of Disco Inferno during this time. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and and if, and if you're a fan of good, you know, again, good storytelling, good in-ring action, uh, and if you are a fan of Disco Inferno, this is a good match to check out. You know, and Billy Kidman, of course, was always, was always a great athlete, one of the best cruiserweights that WCW ever had, and you know, and again, it felt like it could have gone either way for either man, but in the end, Kidman retained the cruiserweight championship with his, you know, of course, the signature move. The shooting star press, even though he, the way he would always do the shooting star press, always scared me. Like he, like he was in a, which he did botch it a lot, 
<laughs> but it's just the way he would do it. It's like instead of doing like a straight up forward flip, back flip, like like the like most people would do, he does. He's like he goes off sideways, and it's it's very awkward looking. And it's yeah, I mean, it, it gave Chavo Guerrero a, a concussion. So and a few and I've seen a few videos where he tried doing it, and then he tangled himself up on the ropes. But you know, it is what it is. And then up next, we had Scott Steiner and the Giant versus Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell for the WCW World Tag Team Titles. And for about five or six minutes, you know, pretty standard. Rick taking up, fighting Scott, fighting the Giant, and then after about that time, Buff turned on Rick, showing that he's still NWO for life. And you know, he high fived Scott, high fived Giant. Gave them the hug, and then ducked out of there for the rest of the match, you know, leaving Rick to basically destroyed by Scott and Giant. But it eventually backfired on them because Rick shocked everyone and would go on to win the match by himself, winning the tag team titles in the process and earning that one-on-one match with his brother Scott that would happen immediately following this tag team title match. And this match was, you know, a hard hitting fight as expected from these two. I mean, especially because whenever you get a wrestling matches where it's brother versus brother, like real life brother versus brother, the chemistry is always, is always impeccable. You know I mean? Like Brett versus Owen, their matches were, were always phenomenal. Matt and Jeff had some great matches against each other. I'm trying to think of some other like wrestling siblings that have, had great matches with each other. I mean, I mean, Brett and Owen and Matt and Jeff are always the ones that stand out. But this one, I really enjoyed this match very much. I thought it was a great, a very good match. You know, you know, for for the limited time that it that it was given, I thought I thought they did a great job. And you know, it's again, hard hitting fight, great back and forth action. You know, and then like towards the end of the match, uh, the person that topped the guardrail wearing a suit and a Bill Clinton mask that took out, beat up security, got into the ring and took out the referee, took out Rick Steiner and took off the mask. It was Buff Bagwell. Yeah. And yeah, he was there to basically help Scott win the match and embarrass little brother Rick. I think Rick is the little brother. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to that part, but Rick was able to overpower both of them, took out Buff Bagwell, and then took out Scott Steiner, and was victorious in this match, and it was awesome, in my opinion. And then up next, we had one of the big, mat- big, I guess you could say semi-main event matches, because they had like four matches that could have been a main, a main, a main event match on here. Um, you know, and this was one of them. It was, and I think that's actually, yeah, the, the last four matches of the pay-per-view are those four matches that, like I said, could be the main event of any pay-per-view. It was Scott Hall versus Kevin Nash. Because, you know, during this time, uh, NWO had split up, and they had NWO Hollywood, which was led by Hogan, and then NWO Wolfpack, led by Kevin Nash. And Scott was part of the Wolfpack, but then he turned on Kevin Nash for whatever reasons that I can't remember at the time. And this was also, you know, during the time period where they were putting Scott Hall's real life alcohol abuse uh, on TV for the, for storylines, and I mean they showed a lot of it during the video, the pre match video package, and it was really uncomfortable to watch. If I'm being honest, then yeah, you 
especially, you know, because I've had a lot of friends and, you know, that have dealt with issues like that. A lot of close, a lot of people, a lot of close loved ones that have dealt with those kind of issues. And it's something that it hits home for me. So watching it on here was, yeah, it was uncomfortable for me at least. Um, and the whole thing is that Kevin Ash was just trying to help out his friend and Scott was, you know, as many of people, many of them are in real life. They didn't want it. They didn't want to hear any of it. They, they just wanted to be left alone. They wanted to be, they just wanted to keep on drinking. You know, that, that, that's what, it, that's what the storyline was. You know, what? Let's say the match itself was honestly very good. And at least to me, it was, I mean, cause you know, as again, it told a great story and every bit of action that happened throughout the match made sense for that story. And I genuinely loved it and enjoyed it. Like, cause at the beginning of the beginning during the entrances, Scott Hall come, he came out with a, with a, with a cup of beer and he was like wobbling around like, like he's drunk. And then he gets into the ring and then Kevin Ash comes out. And when Kevin gets into the ring, Scott tosses the beer into his face and shows that, no, he's not drunk. He baited him in so that he can, you know, get the, get the, the sucker hit in there. And, you know, just kind of, they both kind of just beat the shit out of each other off and on, excuse me, throughout the match. And just, yeah, it was, like I said, told a good story. And, and like how Kevin Nash said it about the Sasha Banks and Bailey from TakeOver in 2015, uh, that SummerSlam weekend, that everything they did made sense. And that's how I felt about this match. And it, was, it wasn't a long match. I would say maybe between 10 and 15 minutes tops for this but it told a good story i enjoyed it and, and like for like the first i'll say maybe the first two-thirds of the match it was all scott just beating the shit out of kevin nash because you know kevin nash was i guess he was portraying as the that he doesn't want to hurt his his best friend you know this man that he loves like a brother and it's and that's how it came, it came off and it came off very genuine and, and with that you know, but eventually he did get some. He did fight, start fighting back. Um, and then after two jackknife power bombs, Nash decided, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna go." You know, I made I made my point. I made my piece, and he just walked out of the match. Didn't care. Got the count out, and Scott Hall was victorious. But Scott was down and out after two jackknife power bombs, and. You know, the, the first one, you know, was a pretty standard jackknife that Kevin Ash would do. But the second one, where he, like, he almost lost his balance a little bit trying to hold him. But then he, with all his upper strength, lifted him all the way up. And then, boom, one one big power bomb, And that one looked like it hurt <laughs> pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it was. I enjoyed this match. It was a very good match. Again, great story being told. And, and then we had yet another Nitro Girls dancing segment. Yeah, but then next came up the match that I was honestly the most excited to watch on this pay-per-view. Bret Hart versus Sting for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. And, I mean, of course, this is the match I was going to be most excited to watch because, I mean, it's Bret Hart versus Sting, two of the greatest of all time. And Bret Hart is my all-time favorite wrestler. I mean, hell, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see the Bret Hart sunglasses sitting right behind me. So, you know, of course, Bret Hart is my favorite. And I have three, I have, I have three items 
of his that are autographed. Uh, his three disc DVD released in 2005, the um, the companion piece magazine as well, and his biography released in 2007 slash 2008 because it was released in Canada in 2007, released in the United States in 2008, and I got those three items autographed, and I have my picture with him for the autograph when I went to get his book, and the picture of me with Brett, Jim Neidhart, and Jimmy Hart when I met him in 2007. And so, yeah. Brett Hart is my favorite, if you didn't know that already. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a very, very good match, and this is the one that, I, that to me, was my fa- for me, was my favorite match of the pay-per-view. Like I said, Disco and Billy Kevin was number two. This one is number one to me. And it's it was good, solid action throughout from start to finish. Of but again, of course it was. It's Brett and Sting. They're they're two of the greatest. Um, but what I really liked about it is that Bret Hart was was the he was the chicken shit heel during this time. And of course, Sting, the ultimate babyface. You can't you know, nobody can hate Sting. Even when they tried turning him heel and uh, towards the, towards the end of WCW, it just didn't work. When they turned him heel in TNA for with the main event Mafia, fans couldn't boo him. Really, you know, they they tried hard, but they couldn't boo him. Um, and but yeah, this match it was basically it was the Sharpshooter versus the Scorpion Deathlock, which same move, just different names, and presentation of it is different between the two. And uh, I'll say it went about maybe 15, almost 20 minutes, which, you know, you know, I wish I could have seen a lot more because I love both, both men very, very much. Um, but it was great match. You know, Bret Hart put, played the chicken shit heel so well during this uh, to the point where he, he had to cheat to win this match. First, getting like, you know, like a, a foreign object from his tights try to, you know, like, I think it was, I think it was supposed to be like a version of Brass Knuckles to try to punch out Sting, which didn't work. Um, and then after a ref bump, uh, Sting tried to do the Stinger Splash and he overshot it and hit his head on the ring post. So then Brett went outside and grabbed Sting's ba- black baseball bat, started beating the hell out of him with that one for a good few hits. And then locked on the sharpshooter, but Sting was unconscious. So the referee did the, you know, the whole raise the arm three times and rang the bell. Bret Hart was victorious, retaining the United States Championship. So, and I remember they had another match uh, the, a year later at the WCW Mayhem pay-per-view when they were doing the tournament to crown the WCW Heavyweight Champion at the time. And I, th- I've, I remembered watching it uh, and liking it, but I don't remember if I if if it's a better match than this one. So I might have to revisit that one at, at some point. Um, and then. We had the match that made this pay-per-view so infamous, and it was Hollywood Hogan versus The Warrior. The match that they hyped up for weeks and all night long as the biggest grudge match, the biggest rematch in the history of professional wrestling, eight and a half years in the making, and I, I didn't even write down any notes. For this match, it's literally like look if you're watching us on YouTube, look at the screen. I literally just have it at the top top of the page: Hollywood Hogan versus the Warrior, then a blank line, and then the main event match afterwards. I I I didn't know I I didn't know what to write down for the for, for, for this one because my God, it was it was legitimately one of the worst matches I have ever seen, and I've seen a lot of bad matches. Honestly, 
this is worse than than any great Kali match that that I that I've ever seen. And that is not an exaggeration. At least if great Kali matches, they're supposed they're supposed they're supposed to be bad, and they're you know they're hilariously bad. They're but they're still somewhat entertaining. This it was just so. This was as bad as the first presidential debate or, or earlier this month. It was just such a shit show of a match, and and the worst part is that the match only ex- it only happened. So Hogan could get his win back from after after losing to Warrior at WrestleMania six. That was literally the only re- the only reason why this even happened. It was so so bad, like the timing was off, one hundred percent all the way. Warrior was a shell of his former self. He was not. I mean, he was he was. It was just so fucking bad. It was such a bad match. I, 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 I don't really have the, I don't know what, I don't have the right words to describe it. It was just so bad, and my throat's getting dry. I got to take a drink. Oh my god! You know, and then when the part, the part of the match everyone remembers most, when Hogan tried to do the throw the fl- the flash paper in in Warrior's face, and it did not work. And it, it blew up in Hogan's face, and they had to play it off as if, you know, Ho- Warrior, you know, got out, got out, got a, like swiped away at it or whatever the fuck. It was just so bad, so so bad. It was. Did I mention that it was bad? Because it was bad. It was pretty fucking bad. I, and if you've never seen it, normally I would say go out of your way to check it out, but. I don't know if if I would even, if I would want you to do that to yourselves. I mean, Hogan won the match, obviously, but it's just. I mean, if you if you like to torture yourself, go ahead and watch this match. You know, I'm sure there'll be people that you know that'll say that it's not as bad as people are saying, but to me, it was worse than anyone I'd ever heard describe it. Wow. But anyways, the, the main event of the pay per view. It was Diamond Dallas Page versus Bill Goldberg for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, and what makes this match so famous is that because the because the pay per view ran a little long, the people who ordered the live pay per view didn't get to watch this match on pay per view because this match started at the three uh, just after the three hour mark where the pay per view would had cut off. So. Yeah, they refunded everybody who ordered the pay-per-view and aired it for free on Nitro the next night. So, but yeah. <sighs> Let me get to my notes for this match. <sighs> DDP versus Goldberg. You know, the introductions by Michael Buffer, as always, for the main events of the WCW pay-per-views. Uh, they always just make the matches more exciting and more hyped up. They really do. Even if the match ends up being shit, him doing the introductions just adds that hype to it. And after, and also, yeah, and I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it word for word that I have it on here. This is a much better match than I expected it to be. I didn't expect it to suck. Just didn't think it would be this good. And that's honestly how I felt. Because, I mean, I do like Goldberg. You know, I prefer the WCW version of him because that's that was him at his peak. You know, when WWE brought him in the first time, especially. You know, I mean, the matches that he had with Triple H weren't weren't so bad. I enjoyed them at least. Um, you know, but yeah, just Goldberg wasn't Goldberg. 
when he, during that 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 run that he had from 2003 to 2004. Uh, but I did enjoy when he came back from to, from 2016 and 2017, the couple of matches that he had with with uh, Brock Lesnar, especially the one at WrestleMania. Uh, it was WrestleMania 33 uh, that my brother Javi got to attend. So a little annoyed by that. He he got to go to WrestleMania 33, and then my oldest brother got to go to WrestleMania 20. Yeah, when's my turn? You know, eventually I'll have my chance, and I'll get to go to a WrestleMania. But we shall see. Hey, maybe I can. Maybe if I, I can, I, tr- I can try to get tickets for WrestleMania for next year, since they're going to be going to do it in t- in Tampa. You know, take two. Just, uh, but anyways, yeah, it was a very well paced match. Action was solid. Didn't leave so much breathing time, you know, for this match, which is good because, you know, for a typical Goldberg match, which it essentially was, you know, you don't want it to go on too long because fans, they, they you know, they're not there to see a, tw- a 30 minute, you know, classic wrestling match with Bill Goldberg. They want to see Goldberg, you know, do hard, hard hitting, kick some ass, kill them with the spear, kill them with the jackhammer. That's what fans want to see. And that's what, the, that's what we got from this match. You know, it was, Kept fans engaged from start to finish. You know, again, well paced. Action was solid. I have no complaints about this match. You know, although if I had watched it live, I would have complained that I didn't get to watch it live. So, um, I would say only lasted around ten minutes ish, ten ish minutes. I would say, but it was still very enjoyable. I enjoyed it at least. And and of course, like I said, Goldberg retained the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And would go on to hold it for another two months before he eventually lost it to Kevin Nash at Starcade that year, where he lost to a stun gun to the chest and then a jackknife powerbomb for the one, two, three, where that would eventually lead to the famous finger poke of doom, where Hogan won back the WCW title and the NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack reunited to become. NWO Elite. I think that's what it was. Either way, it's just... Yeah. But yeah, that was my recap of WCW Halloween Havoc 1998, which, if you take out the Hogan Warrior match, pretty solid pay-per-view, if you ask me, you know? You know, it's just... That match, that that match being the shit stain of an otherwise solid pay-per-view... That's the legacy that this pay per view has. That the this is gonna this will this pay per view will for oh, will always be known as the paper as the show where we had that that where we had Hogan versus Warrior and it stunk up the joint. <laughs> you know because you because you get certain paper certain pay per views that are remembered for for that one moment or that one match, and this one is remembered for Hogan versus Warrior, and not for the. Good, the good, the good reasons that people remember Hogan versus Warrior WrestleMania Six, which obviously was a much, much better match. <sighs> but yeah, that's gonna do it for this edition of Classic Wrestling Pay Per Views. And I promise I will be back in November for the Classic Wrestling Pay Per View that I have planned for then. So be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, check out my previous. Entries of classic wrestling pay-per-views. My one that I did for September for Mind Games in Your House 1996, SummerSlam 1998, uh, ECW One Night Stand 2005, 
WWF Beware of Dog in your house, ECW Barely Legal, which I did as a watch-along. Beware of Dog was done as a watch-along. The very first WrestleMania, done as a watch-along as well. Uh, WCW Super Bowl 2001, Royal Rumble 2000, Starcade 1997, Survivor Series, Survivor Series 2002, and Bad Blood in Your House 1997. Uh, and also check out my podcast that I did a couple weeks ago for the WWF, not WWF, WWE Draft 2020, recapping the everything that went on with that and my thoughts on how the draft went down. And also just check out everything else I've done for the Minutes podcast, my regular podcast episodes, my retro film reviews, my regular movie reviews, video game reviews, um, my mental health uh, podcast that I've done. And I do have one coming up very soon. Uh, I'm just trying to gather up more information so I can present something worthwhile for that. And, um, and if you're not subscribed to the Men of Times podcast, you can do so by hitting the little bell, little subscription bar and bell right here on the corner of my YouTube video. But, you know, if you'd like to listen to the audio-only version so that you don't have to look at my sweet, sweet little face for 30-plus minutes, you can do so by subscribing to me on Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Breaker, Anchor, the direct links to all of those will be in the description for this episode. And if you'd like to support the Minutize Podcast, you can do so by joining my Patreon for $1 a month. That link is in the description as well. And also by purchasing a t-shirt for the Minutize Podcast store. That link is in the description as well. I have quite a few designs and I'm working on some new ones coming very soon. And also I have, there's a link for my friend uh, Julie's GoFundMe to help out with some legal funds uh, that she has going for a very, very important case that she is fighting. And any little bit helps. So if you have a good heart, click the link in the description as well for that and help out a good friend of mine. And thank you all so much for watching, for listening, for subscribing. I love and appreciate every single one of you who do. I truly and generally do. I'm not just saying that because it's this little line that I say at the end of all these episodes. It's true and genuine from the heart. And I hope you all are doing well and staying safe, taking care of yourselves, taking care of your loved ones, staying safe, staying healthy, doing the best that you can, being the best people that you can be, being good to each other. And this has been Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views from the Men of Tides Podcast. I am Julian. And I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.